0: Kia ora. I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And you're listening to.
1: Parent Pod!
0: Kia ora, lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Parent Pod. So today you just have myself. Because um, our lovely Georgia is taking a much, is it much earned, well earned, couple of weeks off for her big day, which is very exciting. I would love to say though, good luck to Georgia and Tomo. I'm sure she won't mind if afterwards we put up a picture of how gorgeous I'm sure she's looking in her wedding dress. Um, yeah, so exciting. Now on to today's episode. So one of our most listened to episodes has been uh, the one with Rebecca from Nourish Therapy, who is an OT looking at things like fussy eating and starting solids and just making that feeding and eating experience a lot more pleasurable, I guess. After our last episode, we had so much feedback on how awesome that episode was. And um, and Georgia even went on to to work with Rebecca um, in her own home and said it was just fantastic. So we really wanted to get her back on to chat to you all. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. There's definitely something relevant for everybody. Let's crack on. So we are very excited today to have Rebecca Barnard from Nourish Feeding Therapy on the podcast again today. If you haven't already listened, uh, Rebecca did an awesome episode with us a few months back, um, where we just asked lots of questions about fussy eaters and and getting your children into food and things like that. And it was it's one of our most listened to episodes. Uh, we've had so much feedback from it. So it's, if you haven't listened to it already, definitely, definitely worth a listen to. Um, Rebecca is an occupational therapist and the director of the private practice service that specializes in supporting children from 18 months to 14 years with a range of feeding challenges. Gosh, that is quite a span, isn't it? 18 months to 14 years. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, So Rebecca very kindly agreed to answer some of your questions that you sent in on our Instagram stories last week. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for agreeing to do this. Thank you for having me back. Um, I'm happy to be back. (laughs) First question we had sent in, is and we've had this question in a few variations from a few
1: people when should when should i be concerned about my child's fussy eating great question and is probably one of the most common questions i suppose that we we would actually get um i yeah. guess it's easy enough for us to put a kind of time frame on it and say you know the fussy eating and quotation marks period shouldn't really last more than three months but definitely if it's okay. going on for more than a year or longer then it certainly is something wow. that we need to you know be looking at because that's a really long time to be struggling mm. with food and if it is a struggle for that long it's just going to take that much longer to Uh, come out of that pattern and out of that habit and try and change that routine Um, but there's certainly some of our little ones who have struggled with food right from day one you know breastfeeding or bottle feeding or tube feeding or anything was was really hard so there's kind of it's easy enough for, for us to say that those that time frame is what we would be looking at. But I guess from a parent who has a child where they go, oh, I don't know if we need more support or where we're kind of at with that. Mm. Definitely some kind of, I guess, framework guidelines would be if the child has less than 20 foods and, and I mean, okay. like only foods that they will have. There's no other okay. foods that they will accept and that number just keeps going down, um, never mm-hmm. never up is always always going down is certainly a flag for us that, the, that we need to look into it and find out what's going on. Um, if there seems to be just a general sense of anxiety or fear or worry either at mealtimes or when food is offered or in social situations mm-hmm. like birthday parties, if there's any of those situations where you can just see your child is really anxious and they don't want to eat and they don't want to be involved in those situations. Then that's kind of when it, I guess, crosses that line to become maybe more than fussy eating and something yeah. that we need to look into. Especially, you know, if we're a toddler age, there's birthday parties every weekend and social events yeah. and all of these things. So that's certainly a flag for us that we that we want to be addressing it and finding out the reasons why. Because that's a that it. I guess it's when it becomes impactful on your daily life and Mm -hmm. when you can't do the things that you used to be able to do or that you want to do is really when it Mm. yeah is more than just fussy eating Um, and and it can be more than just fussy eating you know we work under a feeding framework so you know there is it can often be more than just fussy eating Mm.
0: and I guess it does start to affect the whole family quite quickly doesn't it
1: Yeah, and that's often the messages I get is oh, it's now dinners or breakfast or any meal is just awful, and it's really hard, and everyone's in a grumpy oh. mood, and no one wants to be there, and it, and it, oh. yeah, then then becomes this just really vicious cycle, and it's really really hard to to break that without you know any any further support or anything. So yeah, it can then start to impact the whole family, which is yeah really hard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really, mm. really hard. Especially if you have like this ideal of what you want meal times to look like, and you're so far from it.
1: Yeah, <sighs> exhausting and overwhelming. And parents are just yeah don't know don't know where to go or what to do next. Because like you say, mm. they often go, "I just want us to all sit together at the table," and it's like, "I yeah. want that too." Let's get there. <laughs> let's let's work on work on it. But trying to do it on your own is, oh, yeah, a lot. Mm. Mm.
0: Okay, gosh, yeah. So those are some. Some great tips. And would you say that the amount of time people should wait then is different depending on the age of the child?
1: Yes. I would say uh, if it's under 18 months, if the child's under 18 months of age, sorry, um, and the feeding challenge has been going on for more than three months, then we Mm -hmm. definitely need to – or actually probably even more than two months, we definitely need to – intervene because we're kind of in that early period and when we're Mm
0: -hmm. under
1: 18 months is usually a flag that there's something medical or sensory or something Uh. else going on because essentially under 18 months it's not going to be behavioral because yeah we're not in that that brain development um so Mm -hmm. there's going to be something underlying that so if it's if the child's under 18 months kind of yeah anywhere from one to three months Really. Um, but then, if it's mm-hmm. kind of that over 18 month period, we know that children will go through a phase between 18 months and three years where they have periods of not wanting food or periods of, you know, the fussy eating. Um, but again, that should only really last a couple of months. So, in that period, if it's lasting longer than that, then we need to um, intervene. And then, if it's kind of past the three, four, five age, um, then yeah we really need support because <laughs> it's often yeah. often would have started from really early on and it's this mm-hmm. um they the parents would have been told oh they'll just grow out of it and we're now seven yeah. we're now seven, eight, nine, and we haven't grown out of it so oh, it's yeah oh my gosh yeah. yeah it's
0: a long time to be struggling it's a really long time yeah okay yeah so so, so in yeah, nip it in the bud sooner rather Correct. than later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if we can get it as early yeah. as possible, it's obviously going to be a lot easier to, to treat and to work with than, yeah. than down the track.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Thank yeah. you. So our next question, I'm sure lots can relate to, what do we do about family members who put pressure on the kids at mealtimes? I'm going to hazard a guess we're talking about boomers here. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's how I assume the question is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, are we talking like grandparents and other extended yeah. family members um, at the table? Because I know that's a lot of, uh, with my families, that's often who we're working with yep. as well with those kind of um, questions. Because obviously, I guess, firstly to acknowledge their meal times were so different to what yeah. they are now. You know, they, they, for them I guess even for a lot of us still it was sit at the table you have to finish everything on your plate you can't mm. leave until you finish the tap. you know finish everything on your plate and very just structured and rigid in in their meal times and I guess though if you ask them now what their relationship with food is like it mm. possibly might not be great because they were never able to regulate their own hunger they were never able right. to actually stop when they were full they were told to stop when the plate was finished rather than when their mm. body was telling them that 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 they were full so you know but that is obviously the the generation that mm. you know that they came from that it was like for them um I do find it really interesting if you have a you know communication lines with the the person that you're Referring to, um, have that conversation with them. You know, ask them what were meal times like for you when you were growing up, and they'll often, right. you know, be able to explain that it was really hard, or it was really stressful, or you know, mm. the food tasted terrible, or you know, whatever it was. Mm. They'll be able to start talking about that, and, and then you can kind of lead the way by going, you know, I appreciate and understand that that was your experience of meal times, but what we're doing is what the latest research is telling us you know, and a lot of people really like when there's research and and we can say, you know, the research is saying that by not commenting on what the child is or isn't eating, not making comments about their body, um, allowing them to eat to their hunger cues, that's what the research is showing us is most effective. So kind of acknowledging what their experience was Mm. and going, going, oh, that would have been really tough for you or wow, Mm. thank you for sharing that but this is what we're wanting to do because this is what the research is telling us and, you know, you can kind of take it in in that way rather than the, mm. you know, harsh, this is not what we're doing kind of approach. Yes,
0: exactly. Leave yeah. my house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> please don't be here. <laughs> um, but also obviously having conversations before people come over to say, look, again, this is what the research is telling us this is what we want to do as mm. a family. So we're just not going to make any comments about what they are or not eating um yeah. yeah not really a quick way <laughs> around that one. no no,
0: no. I'm, I'm sure that's just like so many I imagine other parenting issues that maybe you have with family members it's, it's going to be a slow progression over time isn't it
1: yes yes but I, I definitely find that saying you know there's research to say this we as a family yeah. want to do it this way you know we'd appreciate yeah. it if you respected our way of doing this um i can't comment on how they're going to respond but that's <laughs> that's where i'd start
0: <laughs> yeah and do you find that um do you find it that quite often families would maybe involve the grandparents in some of your sessions as well yes
1: yeah once right. they can kind of see what we're doing and see that it's working when we do it in this way they often go can mm. we bring the grandparents in i go absolutely because you know, their grandparents are often there for most meals sometimes Mm. or they're there for really important meals. So when we can actually show the grandparents that we're doing their, you know, we're approaching food in this way and it's really working for them, we're going to continue that. So we'd love you to be involved in this way and kind of giving the grandparents some tools that they can use so that they kind of aren't going back to their natural responses, which is finish your plate, keep eating, you know, Making those kind of comments, giving them some new language as well um, is really helpful. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's true. They need to feel equipped, don't they? Kind of empowered to be able to use that language. Yeah. And
1: actually, like you say, sometimes just giving them some language that they can use or something that they can do at the table, you know, whether it's a new play style of, um, you know, something to play with food or whatever it is, but giving them something to do. Um, from our sessions mm. yeah it's often really helpful
0: mm. Mm. um so our third question we have is uh when my daughter tries something new should I make a big deal about it and praise her or not make a
1: big deal out of it that's such a cool question um because <laughs> <laughs> it's I guess again like it's almost our automatic reaction to go Wow, that's so cool! You yeah. took a bite. Amazing. That's what we want to do because that's what we're feeling on the inside. Um, but often for children with high anxiety around food, or you know, the fact that they've tried a new food clearly is a, a big deal in this in this situation. Um, so I'm assuming that there's maybe some anxiety or some fear or worry or something around the food um, in this situation. And in most situations, it's best to what I call party on the inside. Be cool, calm and and collected on the outside and kind of continue talking about the weather or anything else that you were talking about and on the inside go, oh my goodness, and do your little party celebration on the inside or when they've gone to bed and go, did you see that she ate this? And kind kind of doing it then rather than at the time because when we celebrate, or make a big deal of it at the time they kind of children often almost realize what they're doing and go is there why was that such a big deal like why right you know, why why was that so important I just ate a piece of fr- fruit or I ate a new cracker or you know they kind of can't see why it's such a big deal and then kind of don't want to do it again because you don't want that response all the time okay yeah yeah Yeah. so and I guess
0: where do you go from there (laughs) you know how are you going to make it bigger and bigger each time that's exactly it
1: (laughs) because at some point you're going to be buying toys every time they yeah take a bite we can't we can't be doing that because I guess we want them to develop the internal motivation that oh I actually tried this food because I wanted to and I like it and not because Mm. mum's cheering and screaming at me going that's amazing Mm -hmm. because (laughs) they just they don't see it they don't see (laughs) yeah yeah so celebrate on the inside have a little party on the inside (laughs) but cool calm and collected on the outside it's really hard to do
0: yeah yeah really hard (laughs) oh great yeah um so next one is for a much younger baby could you give me some tips if solids are not going well at eight months breastfed baby was taking some purees from six months, but now not at all. We're offering finger foods, but they're really not into it. Please help.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, My first, like I was saying before, under 18 months, I really want to be ruling out if there's anything medical going on. Um, okay. Often at that age, it might be something to do with our ears or nose or throat that kind of uh, pathway okay. um, is something blocked are we having some kind of uh intolerance because it you know obviously an allergy you would know but are we having a intolerance yeah. the delayed response to food constipation maybe um yeah my first my first thought is kind of going through ruling out if there's anything medical happening um, and that might just be a trip okay. to a trip to the GP to say look we're, we've started well but now it's not working you know what's kind of going on and getting a full medical check first would be my first <laughs> place to start um some other things that i'm kind of thinking are you know are we sitting together are we are you modeling food because often
0: uh okay because
1: eating is a, you know eating is learned we don't kind of just naturally know how to eat we have to learn to eat through watching other people eat so i guess just making sure Mm -hmm. that you're modeling and having them at the table whether they're eating or not but having them at the table so that they can actually see how to eat because sometimes it might be a case of you're giving me this foods and that's all well and good but i don't know what to do with it (laughs) um so Mm -hmm. providing some modeling by sitting at the table and you know eating with them whether they're eating or not um under i think i might have said last time a lot of people kind of say that food under one is just for fun um yes but
0: okay yeah. yeah
1: which i don't i don't love um food, yeah. food under one is more for skill development so i guess if right. if it's a if we're a breastfed baby um i would be focusing more on just exposure rather than volume for now okay. Um, because we're obviously getting what we need through um, our breast milk at the moment um, and just focusing on skill and being comfortable with food in our space Mm. and in our mouth to start. Um, Definitely seating is something I always talk about, Um, make sure that they're in a nice, Uh... comfortable seat, that they've got some foot support, some back support um, as well because sometimes it's a case of – they're not supported so they you know obviously at that age we're kind of developing the trunk strength and trunk control so we you know might need some extra support with that um Mm. yeah it's it's kind of a little bit not what what a quick answer a little a little bits of everything Mm. um also i guess breastfeeding after food rather than before so that we're not filling up on Ah, okay on milk um but yeah i'd go medical first roll out anything medical um and then make sure you're having meals together in a nice seat and that you're modeling food if you okay. get to 10 months nine yep. nine and a half 10 months and we're still the same um reach out for support because right yeah, we okay. kind of don't want to get past that 10 months nine nine ten 10 months time um, so give those a try do the medical piece first and then see if you can make those changes to meals. But then, yeah, if we get to 19 months, we kind of want to mm. find out why. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. nip it in the bud. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Because otherwise, it's just a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it really is. And it's, again, going back to what we were saying at the start, it's, I guess, then parents start to get stressed too don't they if it's you know yeah unenjoyable and you start to worry don't you and then it's just a vicious cycle oh
1: exactly and trying to break that cycle is very hard so I'd rather try and break it earlier rather than Mm. rather than later um but yeah give those a try first and then if we get to nine and a half ten months then yeah reach out for some support and with the
0: seating I don't are you allowed to um you're allowed to give names of high chairs. you would recommend. I or, can. Yeah, You can. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I guess firstly, it's just making sure that we've got some foot support. Um, yeah. Because it's kind of like being on a roller coaster. You can't really eat if you're on a roller coaster, so you need that. Yeah. It, that's kind of what it feels like if you don't have foot support. So we need foot support. We need to be have some back support and be kind of at, you know table height I suppose Mm -hmm. um I personally really like using the mocha or the trip trap stoke chairs um you can I like those because you can get them right from starting solids because they come with an Mm. an infant you know adjustable and then every time they grow you just change the foot plate change the seat height and you've got a chair for the next eight nine years sometimes yeah um so that would be my preferred option great right. um but mm-hmm. if, if that's not available just something with foot support something with back support if we're really struggling to keep ourselves upright maybe some side support like you could just roll some towels and put them
0: uh, down the sides okay.
1: just to keep us upright um yeah but mainly back and mainly foot support so that we're yeah, nice and nice and comfortable and we don't have to yeah. focus on keeping our body upright we can actually just focus on eating because sometimes if we're struggling with something in our body it's you know we just need to be supported so that we can do the task mm. that you know is being asked of us mm.
0: yeah Oh, that's really good to know. And those do tend to come up, on, you know, especially the Waka ones do tend to come up
1: on Marketplace quite a bit. I'm always telling people to look on Marketplace or trade me somewhere. To be honest, even, um, oh, I can't remember if it's like the warehouse or Kmart, they have, I guess it's a (laughs) non-labeled option, but it's exactly the same chair as well for kind of half the price. Um, So that, Mm. you know, could be something for some people as well yeah but i, I guess i mm. like it because it's a chair that will last so long like so yeah long. it's
0: worthy it's, it is worth the investment isn't and it it really
1: is worth the investment yeah but definitely look on marketplace and you know secondhand options first
0: yeah yeah we went through i think three different high chairs with our first um like some we borrowed from like hand me down some friends and stuff, which is great. Thank goodness we didn't have to buy them. Mm. Um, until we then discovered um the trip trap. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, okay, this is what yep. he just he just was so much happier. Yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And I think sometimes with the high chairs in particular, as we get older, they obviously children want some independence and some freedom and they kind mm. of feel a little bit trapped when they're in those mm. like high chairs and they're like, No, no, I wanna not move away from the table but I want to be able to move and not feel like I'm kind of restricted in in these and with the with the trip kits yeah. you know like you've got the infant adjustments and then when we don't need that you just take it off and you've got your chair <laughs> so yeah yeah yeah
0: it's so true about the independence because I think they love even the fact that When we say dinner's ready, you know, they run to the chairs and hop up into them themselves and hop out of them at the end. They
1: really like being able to do that, which completely would have taken for granted beforehand. Totally. And like you say, when they're in the high chair, I have to wait for someone to be finished with their food to then get me down and put Mm. me up. Like it just, there's another layer. But like you say, they're excited when they get to come and sit at their own chair at the table and they get to do Mm. that for themselves. So especially around that. 18-month to three-year period when they might be going through those periods of fussy eating, um, that's, you know, a nice easy um, thing to add or change um, to make things Mm. a bit easier. Yeah. Oh, that's really good
0: to know. Thank you for for adding that one in. (laughs) Um, So the next question is, when should my toddler eat independently with cutlery? They're 18 months old and still love being spoon-fed.
1: Mm. Hmm. I guess the kind of, it's a hard one because there's recommended ages, but you kind of want to go with what your child feels like and how they're developing and all the things. Um, But they they tend to say that around 18 months to 24 months is when we might start to use cutlery. Um, But even then, not really proficiently because we're we don't quite have the motor skills for it yet um, but it might be something that we become interested in I guess a way Mm. of if it's something you're wanting to move away from spoon feeding maybe moving to more of a finger foods you know foods that don't need a spoon so that you know they're starting to develop some independence in that way that they oh I don't have to rely on someone being there to feed me I can actually Mm feed myself whether it's cutlery or not but I get to feed myself if they're the child's able to manage solids um you know if they just need purees then it's a kind of different different story but assuming that they um are moving to to solid foods so start there so have just like kind of finger foods that they can manage themselves so that they're independently feeding and then I would start to just have some spoons on hand like just have them there so that they know that they're there they can see you eating you know with your spoon so that you're modeling what to do but they've also got it there if they choose to to pick it up as well one thing I want to add on spoons children like to throw spoons right they like to get (laughs) this oh yeah yeah they like to get their spoon and go oh I wonder what will happen if I throw it to the floor they throw it to the floor oh my gosh it got picked up and brought back to my chair That is so cool. And then they're going to keep doing that because (laughs) what a fun game. You know, like that is so cool. Um, So, what I would recommend is have three spoons. Once they're gone, they're gone. Just the three spoons.
0: Ah, yeah. And you mean three spoons on their tray or on the table in front of them?
1: Yeah. Or just. kind of one at a time but you know they they know that there's three spoons so you might have them on the table and then there might be one on their tray um and then when that one goes there's one more and then when that one goes last one and then we're eating with our fingers um ah okay just an additional otherwise you're going to be sitting there picking up a spoon for a long time (laughs) so yeah yeah. okay just something gosh that's
0: a great tip yeah
1: just something a little bit extra on that Basically just don't waste your time picking up spoons. Um, but yeah, so I'd I'd have it there. So I'd start with the finger foods, then I'd have the spoon there and I'd be modelling. I would also be doing some spoon play away from the table. If it's, you know, something that you're really right. wanting to work towards. So, you know, if you're doing a pretend kitchen or if you're in the sandpit or whatever it is you've got, doing some spoon play then so that they get comfortable with the spoons and then when it comes to the mm. meal they go oh, I just played with this not that long ago. Um, So I'd kind of start the progression that way. Um, I guess there's also an element of um, cultural and society expectations on cutlery. Um, That might not be kind of answering the question, but I guess important to add is that, you know, some cultures don't use cutlery and Mm. eat with their hands and that's kind of works for them whereas I guess our possibly more western um, culture is saying no no we need to use cutlery society says it's appropriate for us to use cutlery but then when we go out to cafes or restaurants all of the kids menus don't have cutlery so there's kind of a little bit of conflicting information Mm. that because the kids menus or fries, or burgers, or nuggets, or something that doesn't have—very yeah. or rarely—has cutlery. Um, so I guess it's a—it's a, a little bit of, um, yeah, appreciating and acknowledging the culture and um, social expectations around cutlery. Um, but like you say, I guess as long as they have the skill, have the fine motor skill, are able to coordinate that movement, it's something they will pick up as as they go, kind
0: of. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because um, I spoke to you a bit before we started recording. Because piggybacking onto that, so I have a, a two-year-old and a three-year-old who, and they're both very—they're described as passionate eaters <laughs> at um, <laughs> preschool, but and can use cutlery, but generally choose not to. Mm. I think because they're just quite yeah into their, they just wanted the food in mm. in their mouths quickly, <laughs> and so quite often ditch the fork or spoon a couple minutes in and just start eating with their hands and <laughs> and we've been fine with it. And then recently when we've eaten out a few times, we thought, oh, should we be insisting on them using cutlery Mm. especially for a three-year-old getting older but a couple of times when I've said oh do you want to use your fork I get like a growl and he carries on using his (laughs) using his hands yeah
1: so um and I don't want to stop him eating you know it's tricky and that's you're kind of in that time frame where you go actually what's what's more important is it more important for us to eat and to have food going in or is it more important for us to actually develop the skill Um, like you say if he can do it I wouldn't be too worried about when it's going to happen as long as you've always got it there and you've always got it available and he knows how to use it Um, it it tends to just be one of those things that that comes Um, what I would say it sounds like You know, they're passionate eaters. They really like eating. They might be a little bit sensory seeking as well. So they actually like the Uh, the feedback and the feeling of food and things on their hands. Whereas the question before is they like to be spoon fed, maybe they're more avoiding or sensitive. So then maybe Uh, they don't like, you know, trying to feed myself is going to be messy because I don't quite have the skill yet. So it's a lot easier for someone else to feed me then for Mm. me to feed myself because I'm going to try and it's going to go all down my front and it's going to make me really upset whereas like you're saying for your kitties they're obviously really sensory seeking so they want to get that feedback
0: yeah because it is our meal times are still very very messy and I thought we would have got past that stage by now but yeah we haven't (laughs) their change of clothes messy (laughs) maybe maybe this is a different issue (laughs)
1: yeah I mean one part of me says I really love that because they're still learning about food and they're enjoying it and they're they're not bothered it's you know us that is bothered by it (laughs) but you know they seem to be enjoying themselves and eating and okay yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't stop that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So I don't need to tell them that they have to use cutlery.
1: Not yet, but I would definitely have cutlery as an option. Like I would always have it. Always there. Yeah, I'd always have it available. Um, I guess because we're three, I'd say it'll be something that'll come more around four or five that will start to uh
0: yeah, start to come. Maybe with maybe with a bit of peer pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah. To be honest, sometimes with friends. It <laughs> sometimes it <laughs> works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, oh dear, yeah,
0: so the next one is uh, my son is really boisterous and struggles to sit down for meal times. Any tips on this?
1: Mm. it kind of piggybacks a little bit on what we were just talking about with the sensory seeking and sensory avoiding um okay, so, so I would say that this little guy is a sensory seeker, so he right. he is regulating through movement, so he needs to be moving to stay regulated and obviously dinner is a time where we sit and we get dysregulated Mm. by the food so he needs to be able to move in order to attend to the food because Mm. a lot of the times food because it has its own sensory preferences is really dysregulating for a lot of kids so he needs to he needs to be able to regulate in order to attend to the food So what I would say is before meals, you know, five or 10 minutes before meals, do a, if possible, do a high movement activity. So whether that's if you've got swings or trampoline or bike ride or rough and tumble crashing, whatever it is, whatever you have um, available, but do that before meals so that he's going to regulate there and then he's going to be able to tolerate sitting for a little bit longer at the table so do that kind of movement beforehand and then come to the table i'd try that first and see how he goes with with that other things that we can do to help at the table um i sometimes suggest a wobble cushion but i want to disclaim that if the child might be struggling with some core strength or you know has maybe a bit of low muscle tone that that won't be appropriate but if they're a real sensory seeker and have really good muscle tone and really good strength that will be fine and a good way for them to regulate so you'll see them sitting there wiggling while they're eating but Ah, they're regulating and that's that's okay so that only works for some people but i'd say in this case it probably would help
0: a wobble cushion a wobble cushion
1: that's just a kmart ten dollar thing as well uh, okay um I don't actually know how to describe it but it's yeah uh I think they use an exercise and one side's a bit spiky and then you pump it up and it wobbles I don't know how else uh, to describe that um okay but yeah so maybe that might help with meals and then another part would be smaller meals like shorter meals sorry right rather. okay so if we're if we're currently at 20-25 minutes and he's really struggling to sit still can we chop it back to 15 if that's still too much can we chop it back to 10 and actually just focus on regulating before regulating during allowing him to eat because he'll eat when he's regulated and then when he's done he's done the meals you know he's finished because as soon as he moves past that 10-15 minutes and moves into a dysregulated state mm-hmm. he's not eating anyways there's not he's not going okay. his body's not going to want to eat so focus on kind of i guess high quality shorter meals but mm-hmm. regulating before and regulating throughout if if we need um and then i guess potentially some children like you were saying before uh your children might regulate through the food itself by touching it or with bigger flavors or with more crunchy things so there's potentially mm. um a piece to that that we need to look into Uh, okay yeah Um, but I'd start with these pieces
0: yeah okay and do you see um do you see like a, a a specific age that you see a lot of that kind of not wanting to be sitting at the table
1: yeah um I would say I would say around two to four (laughs) <laughs> would probably be the main okay <laughs> yeah so your age your current age um so yeah that kind of tends to be the the main uh, the main age that they do that purely because you know their bodies suddenly ha- can move they suddenly have these skills that they can move so they want to move and they're also trying to learn how their bodies regulate and how that feels and what that looks like for them so yeah around that two to four <laughs> When everything else is going on for them. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, oh, it's a beautiful time of child development, but yep. it's also really, really tough because there is just so much happening in the brain and body. It's, mm. oh, it's enormous, enormous, enormous. Yeah. yeah.
0: It, they are just so busy learning aren't they absolutely yep. everything all day every day
1: totally yeah
0: and their brain wants yeah. them to
1: keep learning and it wants them to keep exploring and seeing things so yeah they're just going to be busy <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and eating gosh having to sit still for five to ten minutes I
1: know what a you know, what a task like that's, yeah that's a lot of us to ask
0: <laughs> outrageous
1: <laughs> um so we're on to
0: our last question now and again I think this might be one that's applies to everybody at some point in their child's kind of feeding journey. So what do you do if they don't eat anything you offer for dinner? Should you offer something else straight away or do you wait a bit? I don't want to get into a bad habit of offering more food, but I also don't want them to go to bed hungry. Mm. Oh,
1: that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this is probably the most common just question like we were saying of child development like the most common question because it probably impacts all children at some at some point I guess the first place to start and I might have might have mentioned it last time but it's a really important point is something that we a framework that we call the division of responsibility so it essentially says that caregivers have a job at mealtimes and children have a job at mealtimes times. Um.
0: The caregiver's oh, okay.
1: job is to decide what's on offer, where it's had, and when it's had. So 5.30 at the table, we're having tacos or spaghetti bolognese. Okay. That's all the caregiver's job is. Right. It then becomes the child's job to decide what they eat, if they eat, and how much they eat. Which, uh-huh. yeah, is a really <laughs> tough one, but really helpful in a long-term Uh, supporting the child's relationship with food and you know their autonomy and independence and all that kind of thing it's really really helpful because children actually are quite good at regulating their own hunger and knowing what their body needs if everything's going well so that's kind of the first point I guess on that Um, but if you feel like you're doing that and it's consistently not working then I guess there's something underline that we need to look into more I guess my first okay. point would be um, this the sensory piece again um, is there something are we dysregulated when we come to dinner and we're not able to regulate ourselves enough or in time to um, actually tend to the food so do we need to do that regulation piece before meals or during meals to be able to let our body know that it's okay to eat and that's you know, we can respond to those hunker cues. So potentially, is there a sensory element? Um, also acknowledging that at the end of the day, little bodies are really tired. Little bodies are mm. exhausted. Like you say, they've been running all day. They've been busy. They've been playing. They've been learning. They're, they're exhausted. And what we tend to do is put our most complex, most challenging, most demanding foods at dinner time, um, which
0: so true it's
1: kind of just a recipe for disaster really yeah when we we kind of put it like that um because their bodies are just not in a place to manage these foods because they're just so tired um Mm. so i guess that's just something to think about and, and ponder on is the foods that we're serving are they are they meeting the sensory needs but are they also you know, foods that we can eat if our body's feeling really tired. Like I know for ourselves, if I had a really big day and I'm feeling really tired, I don't want to eat like a steak or I don't want to eat like a plain vegetable or I don't want to eat something that requires me to work my muscles and think and do more things. So the element of like, can we choose some foods that are a bit easier and like for example pasta mm. is a lot easier to eat yes then a steak <laughs> you know it, yeah it, it just is so there's potentially that element that we need to explore or look mm. into and go how can we you know dinners are obviously really hard because our little bodies are exhausted how can we support them best and we can do that through seating we can do that through regulating them before and during meals and we can do that by looking at the foods that we're that we're offering and knowing that within the division of responsibility if you know that you've served a food that the child can have and does have and will happily eat that's your job kind of done and then it becomes the child's job to go i know this is a food that i can eat that i want to eat i'm gonna eat until my body is hungry um there's no short answer to, to this question but that's kind of yeah yeah i guess a few a few points to to think about more so yeah yeah
0: and so what do you do if they haven't eaten anything or you know they've eaten such a small amount of you know fruit Mm -hmm. or something it's not going to fill them up Mm -hmm. and then they're waking up in the night hungry Mm -hmm. do do you say to them at that point you're hungry because you didn't eat your (laughs) dinner and like the next day do you say you need to eat because yeah like what do
1: you do yeah i guess if it's happening if it's happening kind of more sporadically then it's not really something to do anything about or be mindful you know to intervene because sometimes we're just not hungry and that's that's okay but if it's happening more consistently uh then yes it probably is something that we need to say if we're developmentally at an age where we can go our bodies need fuel and I want to highlight not talking about you know you need to eat your veggies and your fruit just saying you just need to eat not saying you need to eat you know your greens and five plus a day and all those things but you just you just need to eat something to let your body you know have a, have a really good night's sleep if they're developmentally at an age where they can you know understand that um, if it's still an ongoing thing what I would do is again if you can if your family dynamics allow it bring your dinner forward so have dinner a little bit earlier in that kind of Um, division of responsibility setting if they they often eat when it's a little bit earlier as well but if you have that and then they don't eat you can wait another hour and a half hour hour and a half and maybe do some other your your bath routine or something else then and then you might have a dessert or a pudding or a supper a little bit later and that's another opportunity to eat again applying the same principles you know knowing that it's you know um you get to decide what's on offer not them and they get to eat okay. so it's not them saying i want chocolate cake and ice cream it's kind of you're yeah. saying well i it's my job to decide what's on offer so i'm saying we're having fruit and some custard and then they get to decide if they want to if they choose to interact with that at all and how much they do so you're kind of giving them two opportunities to eat and then if they still then choose not to eat they still then choose not to eat if that's happening consistently then we probably need to look at dive into it a bit deeper to kind of understand Mm -hmm. why that's happening um but that should that should kind of yeah help that actually
0: yeah Mm. and would you you know if they're waking up at midnight or whatever and saying i'm really hungry would you offer them something then and say well you can have this or you can or go
1: back to bed um ideally ideally no oh it kind of depends on the age i suppose obviously yeah, if we're a bit true. younger then yes we probably do need something um but if we're getting a bit older n- no okay. no i'd i'd kind of ideally say we had you know we had dinner and then we had some dessert that was kind of your time to eat and you'll see either the next day they'll go oh i was really hungry and i'm going to eat dinner tonight <laughs> um, Yeah, or it'll it'll Keep happening a few more times, and then that's kind of a sign that we need to look into it further. Right. Um, but kind of depending on the age, yeah, a little bit as well. And that okay, piece. yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. But ideally, no, maybe some water. That,
0: those are great tips. Yeah, yeah maybe some water, and yeah. don't do it again. Let
1: me sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I need my sleep, please. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like you reframing dinner in that way you know with it being at the end of the day and it being you know a big deal Mm. and trickier foods because I guess for the majority of adults like I know for me I really look forward to dinner yeah so I think it's interesting to I've never thought about the fact that yeah actually for children they might not look forward to it
1: like we do no no because often if they're in that you know two to four particularly age like we've just said their bodies are so busy learning playing exploring and working really really hard um and then we ask them to come and do another really hard task is yeah, yeah. They, they might not actually enjoy it as much as we do because obviously we can yes we might be tired at the end of the day but we still have some muscle, um strength and tone and things to hold ourselves up and to manage mm. those foods but if we're little we often can't so that, yeah, that's often why dinner is is really hard for a lot of a lot of kids. Yeah, so interesting. Mm. It is, and it's yeah, just such a. I feel like I could talk about dinner itself for. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so so much for answering those questions. I imagine so they are useful to everybody, not just the people who sent them in. Yeah. So appreciate that so much you're so um, welcome
1: I, ho- I hope they were helpful and like we say yes. feel free to message us or email or anything if you do have any further further questions or follow-ups or any other support that you need
0: thank yeah thank you so much and how can people find you if they do want some extra help with with feeding and eating and things
1: yep um i guess most people will find us through here on instagram so we're just nourish. True um, at instagram but probably best through our website nourishtherapy.co.nz is the best way to um, get our contact details through there and then you can just send us an email or phone call or something that way is probably is probably best yeah,
0: yeah great yeah thank you so much Rebecca I'll be taking some of those tips with me <laughs> <laughs> no problem um, thanks for having me and I'm me. sure yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. I'm sure there'll We'll be do lots
1: a part three. Quests. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Part three and the rest. And the rest. Yeah, totally. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, if you did, you we would really appreciate it if you could like or subscribe um, wherever you listen. And you can also find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz. Uh, we hope you have a great week. See you next week. Bye.